Who is the time monster, dear? Is it me? Is it you? Is it an old bird? Yeah. Yes? Hmm. Welcome to the podcast. The Time Monster, episode 64. Yeah. Welcome to the 70s. What happens in it, dear? The 70s. Yep. What happens? Mm-hmm. Um, there's instantly a nuclear explosion. Everyone's dead. And also there's a volcano erupting. And the doctor is dying on a therapist couch, which is kind of interesting. Mood. And... <laughs> and then there's a crystal in front of him and it's flashing and the master's here then he poofs away then we see some zoom-ins of statues and then he wakes up from his dream and chugs a cup of tea that Joe gives him because he's been working on something all night and uh, pretty much Joe's like look I talked to you about this natural disaster from last night or whatever and you didn't even fucking listen to me like what the fuck and she's like I was working all night preparing for the master what the fuck do you want from me sort of thing and he we see the master meanwhile holding a crystal and putting it to a machine and then the master is a professor here kind of he has two lab assistants who tells him uh, so he's like run some tests you fucks and (laughs) Joe has found the islands that they were talking about, and apparently it's called Atlantis. And the doctor tells the brig to alert the world about the master, and he's like, you're fucking crazy, because you're just basing this on a dream. What the shit? And then it's... Something about breaking down objects into light waves to transport them. We gotta go check it out. And then Benton walks in and goes, Hi, I'm on vacation now. And the brigadier laughs at him and takes him with him. And then the leader of the college is like, You're a fraud. How am I supposed to deal with you? And he's like, Yeah, I'm not a professor, so let me brainwash you. And he goes, Yeah, right. And then meanwhile, the assistants are doing tests and reading numbers while the crystal hangs out in solitary confinement. And they're both worried if this doesn't work out that they're going to lose everything. So they decide, let's just run the thing itself or whatever. And then I thought they smooched, but they they don't because they're siblings, I think. I don't know. Yeah, they're siblings. They're I, they're I thought siblings. they smooched and it was really weird. I looked away for two seconds. Anyway, Joe's curious about the doctor's time sensory device. It looks like a penis and it sniffs out time machines. And then it's time to test the crystal in my radiation suit while there's a man on a ladder outside. And then the sniffer works and they're excited and it goes off. Huh, that's weird. And then we see that a salt shaker is moving from room to room in the testing lab. They're making it translate from one area to another. And then the master notices the clock bell is going really slow. He's like, ah, those fucking idiots. And he runs off. The salt shaker has moved rooms and the man outside sees it all. And he also sees the machine overloading, so then he falls off the ladder and dies. Uh, meanwhile, the master runs up there and walks on the, in on them, prancing about. Joe and the doctor just decide to take Bessie to try and find a weird, the weird sniffer time machine thing. And the master's still upset. So that's good. Everything's great. Uh, but wait, the machine overloaded. Wonder why. They were drawing power from somewhere out of time itself. But then suddenly units here, and the master's like, fuck. Uh, 
And they also find the dead ladder guy who isn't actually dead, apparently. Joe doesn't like the sky. She says it's doomy, and then they drive really, really fast. And she's like, no! And he's like, I don't give a fuck about you. And then a time sensor still looks like a penis, and it goes off, so now they know where to go. And they're going to go to the demonstration, so let's listen to this lady talk about all these things. And then look, we did it. We moved this vase. And then the mas- and the master shows up in a radiation suit to totally cover himself and not at all for any I mean, other reason. And the and the penis goes off again. They chase after the signal while the master transfers a teacup and everyone is astonished, but he's getting too much power. Wow. And then he screams about Kronos and turns the volume up to 11 and that was the episode. He's like, "Wow, Kronos." Come here. Come here, Kronos. Come here, Come here, you. Come here. Come here. Yep. Kronos. Just like Kronos. that. Just Come like here. that. Come here. Mm-hmm. Um, so, fun fact. Um, Is it? This story initially was meant to have Daleks in it, but then, uh, you know, season nine had a bit of a rumbling with writing, and uh, this story initially was meant to be with the the sort of finale with Daleks they wanted, the big finale with Daleks. Um, but, uh, stuff happened, rewrites happened, um, and essentially the Daleks got taken out, but the story stayed more or less intact, uh, which allowed them to essentially be like, well, let's just throw the master in there then. It'll, Mm -hmm. it'll work well with the title. Um, because initially it was meant to be sort of a story about Daleks doing time experiments of sorts um, and the results of it, which is why you get sort of the out-of-time elements in this story in, like, episodes three and four, etc. But, I mean, the element of Daleks messing with time also came back with Day of the Daleks with the whole time paradox thing. Um, But, uh, yeah, it's a... Part of it also is the fact that the 70s... Um, the 70s is where people started to fill in gaps in their own uh, knowledge, so to speak. Sort of like it, it, it was becoming more common to be like, well, school didn't tell me everything. And sort of like you had like the Penguin books coming out with information about, you know, varying topics about the world, about history, science, mathematics, etc. Um, classic literature. Uh, so it became sort of common to more be interested in topics that would fill the gaps. And one of those that people kind of went nuts for was, you know, your, your sort of mythology, your Greek mythology, yeah. uh, especially, and all the gods and everything. So that is kind of why, part of the reason why this episode also went for that slant, because after the Daleks got taken out, they were like, well, shit, how are we going to, like, what do we do now? What do we turn this yeah. story into? And the author sort of just went, well kind of fascinated about ancient Greece at the moment. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, let's just do that. Um, but yeah, what happens in the second episode, dear? Uh, well, uh, re- they recap a whole bunch of shit, and then we see her brother dying in the other room while the clock tire- tower's really slow. The doctor shows up, and Joe is instantly in a trance or something, and the doctor's kind of in, like, slow-mo. Uh, Mood. But the doctor spots him running inside, and he gives the assistant's advice to stop it. And her brother is now an old man. He's actually only 25, but he looks 80. Uh, How did he get old? And the brig goes, well, time passed, obviously. And the doctor's like, 
You fucking smartass. <laughs> you um, fucking little shit. And they talk about how the professor's name is Greek for master. Ho, ho. And then the brother That's wakes right. up. Faskalos is Greek for master because the master is an extra bitch. Yes. And then, no, he's kind of basic, honestly. He's incredibly extra. Just wait. Mm. Mm. Wait until we get to the movie where he like <sighs> takes extra time don't watch to a put movie. on like a, a flowing robe just because he wants to be extra. I don't want to watch a movie. And then the brother wakes up and cries about uh, seeing Kronos and they're like, oh my god. Then he dies again and the doctor looks pensive and wants to see the machine. The Berg is calling into unit, and it's hard to hear him, but he's in a rush, and he's like, also bring the TARDIS uh, when you get over here. Unit has now taken over the entire area, and his it's his right to uh, take care of everything and deal with everything, and the Berg wants the entire area evacuated and let him know if the Master calls. Doctor yep. wants to see the crystal and examine it. The crystal is from Kronos, and we're dealing with Time Eaters. And Kronos is one of them, and he was a titan that swallowed his children, and he was the original god of war. And then also, gods are real, but only kind of? Atlanteans are real, and chronovores eat time and shit. Meanwhile, the master's talking with the headmaster and saying, it's alright, hypnotizes him again, and he's like, okay. Doctor isn't sure why they picked up the signal, and what caused the power flux, and they're like, oh, his TARDIS is literally right fucking here. And then they switch on the machine to check, and ma it makes the crystal glow again, and Benton goes to pick it up, and he's like, weird, I can't pick it up, it's really heavy, it's like stuck here. And he's like, because it's not really there, it jumped through time. And then the other crystal, the real crystal, is in Atlantis. Also, we see the crystal in Atlantis, and it's glowing, and they're, the Atlanteans are freaking out about it. Joe calls down to the doctor, and he's ready to head back and figure out what's up with the assistant. And... Mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, he felt Kronos is coming back and it scares him. He's like, oh wait, fuck, I'm old. And then the master is like ready to head back to the lab at this point. And the assistant apparently knew exactly that it was Kronos coming for him for some reason. And I don't know. The doctor's like, I don't know if you can, if I could cure you really. So I'm sorry. And then the headmaster is like, I'll cure you being a bitch. <laughs> uh, we gotta go get Benton, who is guarding okay. the lab away from it and they call him and go hey uh i'm the master and i use really good voices so yeah i'm the brigadier actually and he's like all right yeah sure and then benton opens a window leaves the room sneaks around the outside of the building and gets back in the window so he's a smart boy <laughs> yes and then the master comes in, and he pulls his gun out, and hides, and listens to them argue, before holding them all at gunpoint. And then the master goes, look, it's the doctor, and knocks him the fuck out. And the master wants to bring forth Kronos to control the world the universe. Meanwhile, the Atlanteans are having a religious moment while the crystal glows super hard, and the Atlantean dude teleports into the room while the master is making the crystal glow. And shit, yeah. Yeah. You, yeah. You ever had just have a crystal glow? No. No. So, fun fact: uh, the volcano in the first episode that you see in the very first bit, the sort of volcano exploding, uh, is the same footage used in the Enemy of the World, and also the same footage used from Inferno. But you didn't even recognize it. Um, it kind of goes by real fast. 
Um, <laughs> yeah. Any, any, any. No, I did. I don't care. Anyway, continue. Okay. Um. So as you kind of started talking about, but also glossed over, um, Doctor Who's relationship with stories and mythology takes a very wise attitude of not going, oh, yeah, of course the ancient Greek gods were real. Like, of course they were. Like, every story is real. They sort of go on a point of, like, no, there was something, but, like, the rationalization of the people turned it into a story over time. Like, Mm. they turned it into myths because that's how they dealt with it. Um, And so it's like, that leads to sort of, episodes being made out of these stories and sort of the perversion of them over time, etc. Some of the time the Doctor actually being involved in the story. Um, some of the time even the inciting incident of the episode is the Doctor hearing a story or witnessing a play or something and then seeing himself in the fucking play or story and going, oh fuck, what have I done? And then having to go back in time to figure out when and how he got involved, which is a really good way to do the inciting incident. Um, uh, but yeah, that's kind of what's going on here. Also, elephant in the room, uh, for those of you who may remember, uh, some of you may be saying right now, but wait, wasn't Atlantis destroyed in The Underwater Menace, The one of the worst episodes ever made? Yep. And to that I respond, yes. Um, so, it's... That's actually in Atlantis's future, and uh, that it's it's complicated. Uh, Atlantis's future, because in this one, obviously, I mean, Atlantis is being brought up. Atlantis is going to fucking die. Spoiler: um, Atlantis gets destroyed. Um, but it's like, okay, so the second Doctor visited Atlantis's future. Here, Atlantis gets destroyed. But it's a case of, like, but the island survives. Yeah. It's just, like, it's the first destruction. Think of it like, um, think of it like, uh, sort of a cataclysmic event. Like, it, it's nearly gone, but it's it's awful. Like, people survive. Uh, mm-hmm. Civilization comes back. Um, also, some of you astute listeners who may be watching the episodes along may have, because I'm pretty sure Dia didn't mention it, um, say that Azal... In uh, the Daemons also mentioned that uh, they were partially responsible for the destruction of Atlantis. And the key word there being partially. Because, you know, it's kind of interesting to to point to the fact that, hey, it wasn't actually just one thing. Like, Atlantis was pretty fucking weak from everything, and that's why it fell apart constantly. Yeah. Um, yeah, anyway, what happens in the next episode, dear? Uh, he's a priest. And he's like, you're lying, no one rules, cl- rules Kronos. And the priest goes, "Do you, does Kronos live here? And, hmm. and he apparently controlled Kronos way back when, but the ability how was lost forever. But look at the seal, and the seal that I wear around my neck as a priest. And he's like, oh shit, Like this is literally everything I need. And then Vinton comes in and tells the doctor about the master while the master is doing math. And then Joe shows that the assistant is aging backwards again, which means Kronos is coming finally. Oh. A Kronos bird thing is here. I don't... He's a bird. And it isn't listening to the master at all until it brings up the medallion. And then he's like, oh yeah, now you'll listen to me. And then they lock him in the crystal room until needed, and the priest is upset about it. And then there's a time barrier around the area, so it slows everybody trying to get in. 
basically Kronos is back in the crystal now and he's like, I'm going to use this as a threat to you. Ha ha. Get fucked. And then the Uh guy from earlier that we totally talked about in eyeliner in Atlantis is telling someone Lord Dalius about what he saw. And then the Lord dude is really old and he saw people overthrow Poseidon like 500 years ago. And then he's like, what the fuck? And then they're like, look, here's the true crystal of Cronus. Uh, There's a guardian in here. Half man, half beef. Don't fuck with it. And the doctor explains (laughs) that everyone got stuck in time, a time thing that made everyone really slow. The master is ready to move and head his way to Atlantis, but he's looking. The doctor wants a bottle with a cork so he can do a cool balancing act. And he says it does things, but it doesn't work until he puts a teacup on top and then it works. What? You gonna mention what he did? He like balanced was, some forks with a wine bottle. Well, I mean, what the the technological purpose of it? It was it was time flow analog, essentially technology that isn't made of actual technology in order to to counteract the the time flow experiments that the master was doing. Firstly, I wouldn't have known that in the first place. Secondly, I don't care enough to memorize that shit. I was going to say he literally said that. <laughs> I get that, but I don't care enough to pay attention to those parts because, again, the whole reason of this podcast is I don't like sci-fi. Anyway, the crystal's He's lighting done. up again and the priest doesn't want to touch the crystal, but uh, the master sabotages it back and then he's fucked. So then Unit's heading this way and the master has an Apple Watch that lets him see everything and does a time thing and makes a fucking knight show up to joust the cars and run them off the road. But then the master brings mm-hmm. up another uh, armor-cladden dudes this time, this time with cannons, and Gam told Round me- Roundheads. Okay. I was going to say Gam told me about them, but I wasn't going to get into it because I didn't exactly remember what they were. Um, Just and- roundheads. For those who don't know, very quickly- uh- Oliver Cromwell's peeps. If you don't know Oliver Cromwell, just look up, I don't know, some stale bread. Essentially the same thing. Anyway, uh, so the inter- He was an asshole! So the doctor's like, I need to get to my TARDIS. And they're like, alright, let's go. So everybody gets in a car and goes. And he, like, pulls around the fucking brig and, like, speeds off. And then the master calls in like a fucking World War II bomber, and it's coming in to finish the fight, and the convoy gets fucking bombed, and no one's responding to the brigadier, so that's pretty worrying. Everyone is dead, everyone is dead, and the bodies are burnt, and the bodies are burnt. Yes. Mike Yates is dead! <laughs> I'll phone his mum. Yes. And yeah, that's the end of the episode. So, fun fact. When Kronos is first manifesting, uh, did you see the outer frame dove? Yeah. Yes, you did, because you mentioned it. So, on the day when they were filming that, they tried various forms of fowl. Uh, They tried uh, chickens. They tried owls. They tried seagulls. They even tried cockatoos. Um... None of it looked right, so they just went with an out-of-focus dove instead. Um, mm. And their their goal with the costume of Kronos was 
Uh, okay, it was a glowing costume, so they, they tried to put lights on it to make it glow. Doesn't really glow. And put shit tons of Vaseline on the camera in order to make it glow more and put it out of focus more so, um, you know, people yeah. wouldn't notice. It's literally just a man in a costume flapping his arms, which is what they saw when they filmed that first scene and were like, okay, we need to keep these scenes to a minimum. <laughs> yeah, don't say. Because it looks... If you if you have it in semi decent quality like DVD, it's uh, bad. It's, uh, yeah, it's you, you, well, I, I'm it's not gonna bad. say it's bad, but it's it's not believable because it's not bad. It's just not believable as an effect. Then um, that would which be a bad effect. In turn, effect. makes it hilarious because like while the master's talking to Crassus, um, you just see this bird on a wire flapping <laughs> around inside the office room, and it's hilarious. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, yes, so, uh, you kind of brought up yourself, when the knight in shining armor, uh, appeared and charged the cars, um, you, uh, you, <laughs> what you said kind of actually happened, so, Deer was like, wait, what the fuck, why are they worried about it, like, he, he clearly wouldn't win, like, he'd get fucked up, like, yeah, one of the cars would get fucked up, but, like, they would still win, it's like, well, they don't want to hurt civilians, um, first of all, uh, and secondly, um, uh, that actually happened on accident. Um, uh-huh. They killed so, the horse, I see. No, they didn't kill the horse. I believe the horse was okay. Uh, it was injured, but it was okay. It it says here it went to uh, a farm upstate. Um, wow. So it's okay. <laughs> no, it doesn't say that. Um, but it does say that uh, it was... Uh, essentially, the accident was bad enough that everyone was worried about um, litigation, but thankfully, because everyone had done correct paperwork and shit, uh, everything was fine. Uh, there was no litigation. There was there was a bit of a suit, but again, because of paperwork, because everyone did the right paperwork, uh, everything went by quickly and everyone was okay. The main problem that they have is because of budget constraints, they only had the one stunt guy, so mm-hmm. it was like, not really... It didn't go off as well as they... Uh, uh, wanted to, and yeah, essentially what happened was the car clipped the horse and injured the guy as well. Mm. Um, uh, so the horse was a little bit injured, but I think it recovered. It doesn't say the fate of the horse. I'm Ow. going to say the horse is okay. I mean... It doesn't say the horse was like severely injured. It says it was like a, a slight in. It wasn't an injury to the horse, but it doesn't. If the horse was killed, it would have said so. I believe. All uh, right. Well, the way they're mentioning the story and talking about it, they would have said that the horse had died. Um, but anyway, yeah, that's a very that's that's why you always do the proper paperwork, kids, and why you always strive to follow occupational health and safety rules. But don't do your taxes. That's, that's why they're there to prevent people from getting hurt. Not just dumb people, but like accidents. They're there to prevent accidents too. Anyway, what happens in the next episode, dear? Uh, so some country dudes are near a fire, and they're just talking about stuff, and then we find out that Mike is okay, and at least not dead. He's really bloody, though. Oh, that's good. And then they're getting yeah, it- Yeah, there is- th- they, Weirdly. <laughs> yeah. They get the TARDIS out of a hole, because uh, it can't be destroyed, and then there's a whole bit about the assistant being like, men are spineless, and women are strong, and then- the master and priest are now in their TARDIS and power cycling so they can head out. 
The doctor is going to put his TARDIS inside the master's TARDIS so that they can go wherever he is. And Joe is coming with, and they're like, all right, let's get ready for takeoff. If we go too fast, we'll time ram and be in the same space and boom. And then whoosh, and then they whoosh away and the fire dudes go, wow, fucking people from London. And then the two assistants and the brig are rushing their way into the college. Meanwhile, I actually realized it was Benton later. And then they come into land and something appears in the TARDIS instead. Uh, it's his TARDIS. Let's turn the monitor on. Weird, where are we? It doesn't show anything. That's the time vortex. Uh, let's walk into the Master's TARDIS, which leads into their TARDIS, which leads into the to the Master's TARDIS. And then, what? What's, go- what's yeah. going on? The Doctor's TARDIS leads into the Master's mm-hmm. TARDIS, but the Master's TARDIS leads into the Doctor's TARDIS. Mm-hmm. And I hope you remember this concept, because it's not the last time it happens. I don't care. Anyway, um, units pulling up at this point, and the Master is informed about it and uses the time slow down button on him. And then he sends his priest into the TARDIS, and the assistants show up with Benton pointing a gun. The Master fucking books it into his TARDIS, and they notice the TARDIS inside the TARDIS, and calls in and goes, Hey, what's up? Thanks for stopping. Bye. Uh, I left some snacks. Uh, while the assistant wants to turn off the crystal time machine, Benton is upset. He lost the matter, master, and he's not really sure, like, what to do with the time machine, because he was always told, like, don't touch the time machine, Benton. And, don't touch the time machine, Yeah. Benton. And they can't turn the transmitter off, but they're stuck in the room, because if they try to leave, it'll go all slow time. So, actually, yeah, let's just switch it off. And they do, but the brig is still stuck, so... We find out that the Master put the TARDIS in a time lock and also the Doctor put his TARDIS in a time lock. But the Master's like, I can fling you out into space. And the Doctor's like, I'm angry. You're not listening. So instead, I'm going to talk louder. And he does the thing so so he can hear him, even though he's muted in the phone call. And then the assistants are working on the machine. It starts going crazy, thus killing Benton. Actually, he didn't die. He's a baby now. The doctor calls in and baby gets Benton. through his sound thing. So now he has to listen to him. But then the master pushes the speak gibberish button. And the TARDISes are telepathic, apparently. So the doctor's just like, I'm just gonna I'm just gonna go out there. It's I know it's suicide. I'm just gonna go out there. And Joe's like, no, I don't want you to do that. It's scary. And then he meets the priest and master when he goes outside. He's like, all right, I guess we can talk. And then the master calls Cronus again to kill the doctor. And Joe freaks out. And she's like, what the fuck happened to the doctor? And he's like, Cronus swallowed him. He's in the time vortex now. And now I just get to decide what to do with you. Joe is like, just fucking kill me. I'm sad. And then the master hits a button and does it. And that's, I mean, that's the episode. Mood. Yeah. 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 I know I'm paraphrasing, but that's actually kind of close to what Joe just is like. No, I'm sad. Fuck this. Well, yeah, she's kind of like, well, what's the fucking point? Like, I'm not going to be able to, like, travel back to my... I can't fucking control this, so thanks. Just fucking kill me. Like, don't don't spew Shakespearean dialogue about how, oh evil you are just fucking kill me yeah um so fun fact you know how when 
John Pertwee and Katie Manning are driving in Bessie, and they have that weird side-mounted camera, which I recognised. I was like, huh, they actually mounted a camera on the side. That's kind of <laughs> impressive that they were able to do that in the 70s properly. Um, uh, so when they were doing that and they were like looking at the map and like trying to track things down, uh, fun fact, they actually uh, got lost. Again. Um, <laughs> yes, they got lost again. Uh, by the time the two actors were finally able to make their way back to the director, uh, he was already in the process of assembling search parties to track them down. Because <laughs> they had gotten fucking lost that long. Um, which, uh, whoops. Uh, <laughs> um, mm-hmm. So, also, another thing is that this rep- this is the first time we get to see a new redesign of the TARDIS. Um, and they acknowledge it very quickly. It's like, wait, it looks different. Yep, it's a redesign. Move on. Um, fun fact, it's also the last time we see this redesign because they accidentally damage it and uh, have to go with a new design next time they show the TARDIS properly. Mm. Um, oh, well. Plus, also, it was kind of made fun of when, when it first came out. People were like, this looks so dumb and it looks so 70s. It's in egg the design of the... It kind of looks like an egg garden. Um, it looks so 70s in the way they did the round aisles um, of just, like, sticking out. Um, also, the backwards words that John Pertwee says uh, in the bit, because it's very clearly reversed. Yeah. Um, if you reverse that audio, don't bother, it's just gibberish. It It's not English at all, it's not a sentence, it's not any other language, it's just him speaking gibberish. Which is kind of a shame, because... Uh, it, it, you could have done something really fun there for an outtake, but I mean, outtakes weren't really a thing then. Um, it wouldn't be till the, I believe, the 80s that they started really doing that sort of stuff and keeping outtakes and such. But um, uh, it, it makes, it reminds you of sort of the, the scene in uh, Human Nature with David Tennant where he's talking on a in a video recording and there's a, a section where in the episode the video sped up so in the outtakes where they show the full video of him talking he's like and now I have to speak for approximately two and a half minutes about anything at all not stopping at all not hesitating just constantly talking and then he just speaks about whatever he, whatever's on his mind at that moment to keep talking it's like that would have been nice to have something like that where he's actually saying something and they just reverse the order but they didn't and it's like okay whatever it's the 70s I get it efficiency and outtakes weren't really a thing whatever what happened in the next episode, dear? Uh, so Joe wakes up on the floor of the TARDIS, and the Doctor's whispering to her, like, <laughs> and he's still in the time vortex, and Joe can't get him back, but the TARDIS can, so they tell her what to do, and he comes back. Meanwhile, in Atlantis, it's horn time! They're playing horns. Leader is here, and Pretty Lady with Booba is here too, in a carried chair. Also, the priest of Poseidon is the king. They want to make it rain because no one should starve anymore. But he's like, I can't fucking do that. What the fuck are you on about? Master needs to make sure that they know he's bringing back Kornos. But the lady and the cat stand up and go, I hear a weird thing. Then the master walks in and goes, I am the master. Hello. I'd like to share with you Kronos. So come with me to talk. And the doctor still hasn't repaired the TARDIS. So how can they go there? Well, they just can. And then... They swoop into Atlantis, mm-hmm. greeted by the priest and the guards, and the master says, Your priest knows I control Kronos, and you should obey me too. And then afterwards, he tries to hypnotize him, and the leader just like, Haha, you're a fucking idiot. 
And then he won't give the master the crystal, but maybe one day. And then the master runs as a doctor and he's like, ah! and then the doctor and Joe go meet the leader as well. And pretty booba lady is really enamored with the master and thinks he's godlike and wants to fuck her. Um, also, Joe is here and says, hi, I just came from far away, queen. Would you treat me nicely? And she's like, yeah, put her in the guest bedroom. Give her a dress. Hell yeah. The servant calls the queen a slut for a second and then sends another girl to talk to the master and say Kronos so that, like, he hears it. The Kronos crystal can't be destroyed. They've tried it. It's like the TARDIS, says leader. The master is brought to the queen. And they're like, here, drink and talk with me. And he instantly calls her beautiful. And she's like, ooh. And then we see Joe in an Atlantis dress and wig. Matching wig. And then he's like, the king can stay king, but the power should be in your hands. And maybe a little bit in mine. And we have to talk to your priest to get the crystal, but there's also a guardian in there. We gotta figure out how to do this and kill the king. I mean, not kill the king. Uh, there's a man in there that turned yeah, into this weird bull-like creature. It's literally the Minotaur. It's just the Minotaur. Uh, they're gonna make hip hippias hippopotamus hippopotamus bring at them the crystal. So Joe goes down there to stop it and save everyone. So Joe's running to try and save the day, uh, but is stopped by the priest and locked in a, in the room with the Minotaur. And that's the episode. Hippopotamus. I hear his rhymes are bottomless. True. Uh. Okay, there's a lot to talk about. So, first of all, um, one of the voices that are, like, the Doctor's subconscious thoughts is actually female, um, which is kind of a a, 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 a unintended, I guess, reference uh, uh, to the fact that the, the Doctor isn't restricted by male gender, um, even though he is for some, like, nearly 50 years. Uh... <laughs> Uh, after that point, but um, mm-hmm. yeah, it's like okay. I I mean, back then in the seventies, they were at least attempting to sort of sow the seeds of like, hey, like maybe, uh, maybe he's not all the male. Can I say um, maybe? Yep. Uh, so a notable. <laughs> so uh, the the writer Robert Sloman. Uh, he had some inspiration come to him when he took a walk outside one day and he heard an aeroplane flying overhead and he was reminded of the sound of German bombers during the Second World War. Um, yeah. It's the 70s. Um, from this experience came the idea of time slippages uh, and Sloman envisaged a fleet of World War I biplanes descending on a modern-day aircraft. As Sloman developed his narrative, he realized that budgetary constraints would prevent the First World War element from featuring prominently. Instead, it was decided to emphasize the Atlantis strand of the plot instead. So it was just like a one-off, sort of like, oh, it's a plane from World War One, and Ooh. it's a bomb. Watch out. Um. <laughs> uh, so, another thing. Uh, I kind of jokingly said it, but I also kind of already knew the truth. I, when the Minotaur showed up, um, I jokingly said, Oh my god, look, it's Darth Vader! Uh, that's because it actually is. Uh, it's David Prowse under there. <laughs> in the Minotaur costume. Kind of. There's, there's a weird thing about, like, uh, stunt actors and him being under there and days conflicting on recording, but he was credited for it in the end. Um, for being 
said Minotaur. But yes, David Prowse, most known for being the British man who was, well, British, uh, snubbed from being uh, the true Darth Vader in favour of James L. Jones' voice instead. Um, but, oh well. Uh, he he got to play a Minotaur in this where you couldn't see his face either. <laughs> Which, oh god, he really is the Mike Wazowski of film. Um, <laughs> well, his face is never shown in fucking anything. Well, anything that he's mainly known for, or is remembered for. He's remembered for other things, but you know what I mean. Shut up. Uh, also, fun fact, the uh, writer was incredibly unimpressed with the realisation of Kronos. He envisaged it as a shimmer and a vibration, but he then realised it was it, like, oh, you guys just went with an actor flapping away on pulleys. <laughs> uh, I was like, oh, that happens a lot. Rashes, unfortunately, not being able to see their vision come to light in a positive way. But... Anyway, what happens in the next episode, dear? You mean the last episode? Yep. It's also the next episode. The Queen's Hand goes and tells everyone that Joe is with the Minotaur, and they're like, fuck! Meanwhile, the Minotaur is mooing a lot and chasing her around. Joe is cornered, but Atlantean fights him, and they have a wrestling match. Minotaur dies. Hippopotamus is dead, so that kind of sucks. Uh, but then they mm, found gosh. the crystal. That's cool. Priest grabs the doctor and Joe and brings him to the master and he says, Hey, the king's alive still, and the queen is worried about the master, but the master wants her to be his servant, technically, and she's like, I am a queen. And she gets all pissy. I am a queen. Joe and the doctor are depressed, in jail, everything feels pointless. The doctor recalls a story about depression and colorful rocks. Then the key king gets thrown in there with them and they're like, Oh, you were alive. And he's like, Atlantis is going to be destroyed. Uh, again and then the queen and then he like dies he like actually dies then the queen has an announcement and mentions that the master is here to take over everything uh he's gonna bring forth chronos and everyone's like <gasps> and the doctor yells he's he like the king's dead the queen's like wait what and he's like yeah it, it happened earlier and, she, and she's seizes the master and he's like nah fuck that chronos come here help me and it starts to attack everything while the master grabs a crystal and runs into his TARDIS with Joe attached to him because she attacked him. Doctor jumps into yep. his TARDIS, follows. Kronos is still here. Everybody's dead. Like, actually, yep. everybody's dead. Uh, the master's- Well, the queen's just standing there, sort of like, oh, God, what have I fucking done? Yeah. Uh, you rule a land of corpses. Congratulations. And then the master is holding Joe captive, but is excited that he has the crystal and could take over everything. Doctor comes in and goes, hi, I'm here to help. I'll time ram you in order to save everyone, even though that'll kill us. And then the master's like, I'm going to call your bluff and says, go ahead, do it. And he says, bye, Joe. Turns the dial up to nine uh, before stopping. <gasps> and then the Joe and the doc asked the doctor to kill him anyway. But the doctor's like, there must be another way. And Joe's like, fuck it. And hits the switch and turns it up to 11. But then she fuck it. wakes Turns it up to sicko mode. <laughs> yeah. Then she wakes up and everything's okay. And she walks outside and it's weird out here. And then goes over to the doctor's TARDIS, who's also right here, and finds him passed out. She's like, yeah, we're dead. And he's like, no, no, we're not. Come look outside. And then. There's a giant face that comes up, and she goes, Hi, Doctor, I know you. I'm Kronos. I'm a destroyer and a healer and a creator. I'm everything. Uh, what's up? 
And the master, she's like, I'm gonna fucking kill that master of yours. And I'm, he's like, no, please. I don't like women and in positions I of power. Like and a doctor is like, all right, I'll take him, please. And he's like, yeah, sure. And then he, like, shoves him away and runs into his TARDIS. And he's like, Kronos, do something. And she's like, no, you wanted his freedom. There you fucking go. Uh, they get back. Benton is still a baby. The assistants are trying to fix the machine. No one would condemn someone to death, says the doctor, even someone who killed millions of people in Atlantis. That's just how we mm -hmm. work. Uh, oh, well, time to go mm -hmm. back to London. And they swoop in. The machine's running again. And pops, uh, like, it explodes. But that lets the brig move finally and come inside. And they're like, oh, you're finally here. Uh, uh, Joe, why are you fucking dressed like that? Wait, where's Benton? And Benton stands up and he's naked. And then that's the laugh track. There you go. That's the episode. <laughs> so two things, real quick. First one, uh, influenced by Buddhist philosophies, Barry lets the producer, uh, wanted to portray the Doctor as being only sort of semi-enlightened. He wanted he wanted him to be able to see the universe more clearly than most, but still possessing personal flaws, which he kind of reflected most in the tale the Doctor tells about the Hermit and it's on his home planet, and also in the fact that, like, the Doctor has... You could call it a flaw in that he is unwilling to sacrifice others to attain means. He... he the means do not justify the the ends do not justify the means for him. He is not willing to sacrifice others to get what he got. Um, in old Doctor Who, in like sixties and arguably some of uh, earlier episodes, that is um, bullshit. Um, <laughs> but it, it it is more refined and begins a lot more here about like the sort of idea of of the of the doctor going listen i could blow us all up i'll i'll do it i'll stop you and the villain essentially going no you won't and he's like yeah no i won't um uh that gets developed more and in a lot more interesting ways especially in uh uh genesis of the daleks which is arguably one of the most uh philosophical and uh um sort of it could have been controversial but they they uh, play it off so well that it, it's actually one of the best episodes ever written um, Where about the Doctor's morality and about the morality of uh, killing and and suffering and uh, committing heinous acts in order to prevent others from committing heinous acts. Um, okay, so that's that. The second thing I have to say, I'll let you choose, dear. Do you want to hear something funny? about Baby Benton, or do you want to hear something incredibly depressing about Baby Benton? Both. What do you want first? Funny. Depressing first it is. Okay, so, um, according to John Levine, who played Benton, um, unfortunately the baby that played uh, Baby Benton, um, unfortunately didn't live to see his first birthday. Um, Cancer? Or... They don't say, purely because they, you know, it wasn't their baby, but they just know that the, the baby unfortunately died before its first birthday. Now, the funny thing is that, mm -hmm. is that uh, when they were filming the ending scene, uh, 
Benton John Levine was absolutely terrified that his nappy would fall off because he was wearing the nappy still. They just don't show it in the show because it was kind of a bit obscene for them to show it in the seventies. Uh, he was absolutely fucking mortified that uh, it would fall off and everyone would see his chunk. Hmm. So, uh, yeah, that's that's the time monster. Who was the time monster in the end, dear? Tell me. Me, because I wasted my time. Oh, I get it. That's a weird joke. I don't think that's what um, Robert Sloman had in mind when he was writing this episode and titled it that. Um, fun fact for those of you who might have been really interested by the, the concept of uh, Kronos and Chronovores, uh there is actually a sequel to this episode in book form called The Quantum Archangel. And of course, quantum Chronovores uh, 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 appear in, in some other things, mainly books, um, here and there. Uh, but yeah, if you're really interested in that sort of stuff, I recommend listen, Quantum Archangel. Listen. It's a very odd book. Kronos is the god of war, and I'm not going to hear anything else about this. And I we're thought not... it was Kratos. No, that's the god of war, you asshole. Haha, you already Wait. made this joke twice now. Yeah, I know. God of war! Anyway, the time monster... <laughs> Oh, Vor. I thought you said war. No, the god of Vor. He ate all oh. of his children. So, what do you Three. think, dear? The time monster. Okay. Well, that's season nine. We're, mm. we're done with... We've finished nine seasons of the show now, dear. How does it feel? Mm-hmm. Well, we've kind of finished nine seasons. We've cut out... 15 Are episodes, fucking done because yet? they're missing. Oh, dear. There's 26 seasons. I don't like sci-fi. I still don't like sci-fi. You haven't- you've yet to change my opinion about science fiction. Hey, I got 110 out of you so far, so- Yes, you did, I'm but happy. that doesn't change my opinion about the f- entire fucking genre, nor this show. Oh, wait, it wasn't a 10, it was a 9, but I'm still happy with it. And, hey- as we go on, the episodes get shorter, so yeah. Hmm. That's right. After after the next after season ten and season eleven, we're restricted to one six episode a season until like five seasons down the line. And all the six episode ones bar arguably one of them is a banger. Absolute banger of a of an episode. Um uh, plus also... I'm like, leaving. We've got a lot of errors to go through. Like, we've got the, the, the end of this of John Pertwee's era. I'm leaving. We've got, uh, the beginning of Tom Tom Baker, and then sort of the what people tend to call the Golden I don't Age. Care. Uh, the first Golden Age. And then we have the second Golden Age when Douglas no Adams comes on the script editor. Um, but yeah, that's, that, that's, that's the time monster. Next episode, uh, season 10... Wait a minute. That means it's ten years of the show. How do we celebrate that, do- dear? Oh. That's right. With an episode called The Three Doctors. What? Oh my god, I don't care. Let me go to sleep. See you next episode. Fuck you. Oh, don't say fuck you, then. That's mean. <laughs>